going to continue our look at the Melchizedek order, the order of Melchizedek. I don't know if we'll take it beyond today. We might do, and we might come back to it. But really, um, it's such a vital subject. And there's so much. In fact, you could literally spend the rest of your life speaking on the order of Melchizedek because it is central to what we are and what we do as Christians, as believers. Um, and so it's a challenging message. I've found in the past when I've preached on the order of Melchizedek and the king-priest ministry, people, people react to it because it's not really um, something that's taught a lot. And if you just turn to Hebrews chapter 4, I want to show you a couple of things. Hebrews chapter 4. We saw how in Hebrews 5, I'll just read this, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek, speaking about Jesus. It says, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. And people, because it is... Uh, I think if you read Hebrews chapter 4, 5, 6, you'll see that the Bible says the Melchizedek order teaching, teaching about Jesus as high priest, is actually for mature saints. It's saying basically that saints who are not mature can't handle it. Which is why, you know, I find people sort of react to it. Oh, that's, this is hard to hear. People say this is hard to hear. People have said that to me. And that's what the Bible says. Okay, that's exactly what the Bible says, that it, it's hard because people are dull of hearing. So um, you, have to, you have to have an attitude in your heart of saying, I'm going to receive this, Lord. Because when I say next level, people use that term, but it is next level this is beyond baby Jesus in the manger. This is beyond Jesus loves me, this I know. And all these things are wonderful. Nobody likes singing away in a manger more than me. Okay, everybody loves, loves a, good, a good greet. Amen? But we have to move beyond what the Bible calls, uh, if you like, the, 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 uh, the principles, the foundations of the faith, okay? And go into the deeper stuff because here's the thing. In Hebrews chapter 4, folks, but before we go into that, I watch a guy, I'm going, to, I'm going to recommend this guy to you. He's on YouTube and he's called Canadian Prepper, okay? I was sharing about this recently and he's not a Christian, but he has Christians on his channel. He's one of these prepper guys, you know, buy all the stuff in case anything happens, okay? Canadian prepper. But he speaks a lot about the potential nuclear war. Now, he's not a crank and he's not a doom and gloom guy, far from it. But he does, he, he gets all these experts on and they're very, very credible who say, listen, we're, we're sleepwalking into nuclear war and this Canadian prepper guy, I don't even know his real name, he says that he's astonished how people just aren't aware of how real this threat is, greater than perhaps any time in history, way beyond the Cuban Missile Crisis, by the way. And the reason why I'm, I'm bringing him up is because if there was ever a time in the earth for the need for king-priest ministry, it's now. In other words, people who will be priests in that they go before God and intercede for the people and for the nations, but also kings in that they will decree the purpose of God in the earth. This is way beyond, oh, you know, we're having a Christmas uh, a panto in church or we're having a wee Christmas carol concert. Folks, you know, we, we need to understand the season that we're living in. And so that's why I believe the Holy Spirit has led me to do this study. So chapter 4 Hebrews, and I want to show you something, because we're talking about the order of Melchizedek, Psalm 110, 
David has this vision of someone at Yahweh's right hand, and he says, he's my Lord. Okay? And Psalm 110 is the most quoted Old Testament passage in the New Testament. So there's a reason for that. And he says, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So, so Jesus wasn't a Le Levite, he was a, he was a Judahite, so he couldn't be a priest after the order of Levi. He had to be a priest of a different order, and that order is Melchizedek. And some people believe that the Melchizedek who appeared to Abraham was actually a Christophany, which is an appearing of Jesus before he became baby Jesus. We've just sang away in a manger. Amen? But we're not talking about baby Jesus here. We're talking about the one who is at God's right hand. Now, of course, he had to become a baby. He had to become a man. He had to do all that. But we're not talking about baby Jesus here. You know, I think a lot of Christians still pray to baby Jesus. Amen. They think Jesus is, you know, at Christmas, oh, Jesus turns back into a baby, so let's pray to baby Jesus. We need to get rid of all that sentiment. Amen. Am I a sentimental guy? No. Praise God. Never be ruled by sentiment, folks. Be a spiritual man or a spiritual woman. Okay. Verse 14. Watch this. Seeing then. Seeing then. In other words, because of this. Understand this. See this. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Jesus is the high priest. He's the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. He is the top man. And I, and I don't mean that in a disparaging way or in a kind of, you know, I hate the, when I hear people say, oh, the big man, the big man in this. I, I heard a prominent Christian leader I'm talking prominent, talking in a meeting full of pastors and leaders about the big man, the big man upstairs. I wanted to throw him at the window. You know that, the big, the big man, like Billy Connolly. But Jesus is the son of man. And he is the top man in the Melchizedek order because he's the high priest. Seeing then that we have a great high priest <coughs> that has passed into the heavens. He's not here in bodily form. He's passed into the heavens. He's gone above. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Profession means the things that we're saying, biblical things. Amen? We're, we're saying what God says in his word. Let's hold fast to that. For we don't have a high priest, we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. In other words, we don't have somebody up there representing us as high priest who doesn't know what it's like to be human. He knows what it's like to be human. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to be tired. He knows what it's like when it's slippery underfoot and you can't be bothered. And you've got to go and get a pint of milk. And you can't be bothered in the car on a cold day. He knows what it's like to be human and get through the stuff that we go through. We have a high priest like that. But Lubris says in verse 16, let us therefore come boldly, not timidly, not fearful, not, oh, I'm unworthy, I'm a worm, O oh Lord. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, the throne of favor. Let me say this to you. God's throne is not a throne of condemnation. You don't have to be think that when you go before God, he knows what I've done. He knows how wretched I am. He, he doesn't know that because he's chosen to remit your sins. And he's chosen to accept you in the beloved. And he's chosen to look at you like he looks at Jesus. 
So it's not a throne of condemnation. It's a throne of grace, a throne of favor, that we may obtain mercy and find grace and favor, or if you like, to help in time of need. What, what's this saying? It's saying, and I want you to see this. He's passed into the heavens. Then he says to you and I, come boldly to the throne. Come boldly to the throne. In other words, he's not going up there alone. The Bible says we can go with him. So that's what makes us king priests in the order of Melchizedek. He's not up there on his own, and he's not up there saying, well, you can only come here if you die. Okay? Because you don't need grace to help in time of need if you die as a Christian, do you? All your troubles are here. All your need for grace and mercy and help in time of need is here. If you die, you don't need that anymore. But you need it now. So what he's saying is, you living saints, you saints that are still on earth, where all the trouble is, all the trial is, all the tribulation is, all the temptation is, all the, all the problems are, come boldly because you have access to this throne. In other words, what he's saying, he's passed into the heavens and he's, his invitation is for you and I to join him. Not as dead saints, but as living saints. Verse, uh, verse 1 of the following chapter, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. And watch what it says. It says, verse 5, Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said to him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he says also in another place, this is Psalm 10, sorry, Psalm 110, Thou art a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. Okay? And it says here, um, verse 12, like I said, the time beat, no, sorry, verse 11, we have, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you're dull of hearing. And then he goes on to talk about what it says in verse 12. For when, for the time, you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which is the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. So he spends a few verses talking about the Melchizedek matter being something that is for mature saints. So it's a call to, to maturity. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people, they don't come boldly to the throne of favor. They don't follow the high priest Jesus into the throne room boldly. They go in timidly or they, or they, or they, they stay enough. You heard us speaking about this quite a bit. In the rise, Scotland, Bert would speak about this. I think we all did, really. Certainly Stevie and myself and Bert. We have access. But we have to come boldly. We Stevie's favourite expression, beyond the veil. Amen. You always talk about beyond the veil. Because what he's saying is, what the scripture is saying, we're told to come boldly. We're told to come boldly because we are also king priests. Now, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, it says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. And what he, if you put those scriptures together, what he's saying is, he's the high priest, he's a king, he's a priest, he's gone up, he's seated at the right hand of God the Father, but the invitation for you and I is just to join them boldly. But a lot of people would rather stay on the earth and cry out, you know, what I call bawling and squalling, oh, Lord. But that's, as Bert would say, they're beggar prayers. And we're not beggars. 
Because he says, just you stroll right in along with Jesus and, and make your petitions and sp speak your peace. Speak what you have to speak. Because you're also in this order, you're a king priest. And it's, it's a, you know, Bert liked to use that, f that phrase, that we're senators. You know, when you're in the Senate, you're not talking upwards to people that are higher than you. You're talking among equals. Senators would stand, my fellow senators, friends, Romans, country, you understand? You're not speaking up now. Of course, we do speak upward because he's the king, he's the Lord. We do that. But what he's actually saying to us is this. When you're in that place of the throne, when you come boldly to the throne of favor, don't come as a beggar. Don't come as a mendicant. Don't come squalling and bawling. Speak what is on your heart. And if you speak this book, if you speak these words and you speak God's will, then you don't have to beg. And your petition is not somebody, you're not on your face squalling and bawling. Now, I'm not saying there isn't a time for that or a place for that, but what I'm saying to you right now is the world, the earth, needs to hear the voice of God and it's going to take somebody who goes boldly into the throne room and speaks from the throne room, not from on your face on the floor. Because, because kings make decrees. They make edicts and declarations and proclamations. You don't see kings begging. So he says in verse chapter 6, leaving the principles, the first principles, the doctrines of Christ, uh, repentance from dead works, faith, baptisms, laying on of hands, they're the basics. And he says, leave these basics behind because you're grounded in them. But you have to go beyond that place of being, oh, well, you know, away in a manger. Or, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know. Or just, you know, the basics of Christian experience. You have to go beyond that into this realm of king-priest ministry. And he says this, look, he says in verse 19, which hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. As we, Stevie, would say, you have to go beyond the veil. You have to go within the veil. You have to say, look, I'm not in here. I'm not going to God's throne as a visitor. It's not visitation, it's habitation. So he's saying the king-priest ministry that we're called to in the order of Melchizedek, that's our role, that's our function, that's our job. That's our responsibility. See, I think a lot of people don't like it because they realize the minute you, you accept that you're a king and a priest, you're on the hook. You're responsible. A lot of Christians just want to go to meetings, but they don't want to be responsible for what happens around us. In the earth. You say, well, what about the threat of nuclear war? Let me tell you whose business that is. Yours and mine. Jesus says, what things have you bind on earth? What things have you loose on earth? In other words, what are you allowing? What are we allowing? Oh, it's terrible what they're doing in the schools. Oh, it's terrible all these abortions. Oh, it's terrible all these things that are happening. Well, let me ask you, if we have this authority, who's allowing it? Oh, it's a devil. No, no. The, the devil will always be the devil. But the devil is supposed to be bound. So I, I put it to you, brothers and sisters, that it's our responsibility. Now, I'm not, it's not condemning and blaming people. Uh, but what I'm saying is, it's about saying, well, it's my responsibility. Now, I've, I've been woke up for months now in the middle of the night by the Lord. Not every night, but probably most nights. Because I've understood it's my responsibility. Now, I always knew it was my responsibility. But there comes a point in time where you say, you know, intercessory prayers, as we call it, prayers for the nation, 
They're not just something that you do once a week or once at a special meeting. That's our job. All right. It says here, whether the forerunner is for us enters. That's speaking about Jesus. Jesus is the forerunner. We have a great high priest that passed into heavens as a forerunner, not just on his, oh, Jesus is up there on his own. That's great. Isn't it wonderful? We know he's up there. That's, that's how I used to see it. The high priest, he's standing before the Father. Oh, Bill's messed up again. <laughs> he's goofed off again. Please forgive him, Father. You know, bring him back. You know, I love him. You love him. That, that's how we saw the ministry of Jesus as high priest, isn't it? Going before God the Father and basically begging for our sorry, you know, to be forgiven because we messed up again. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying he went in there to do all the business of high priest and intercessor and beg and squall and bawl God the Father to, to not throw a thunderbolt our way. What he's saying is he went in there to show us how we function as kings and priests. The forerunner is for us entered. Even Jesus made the high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. You know, see if the Bible keeps saying this phrase. Do you not think that there's something ma massively important here for us to grasp? Oh, it's just spiritual language, it's mystical. How are we supposed to know these things? That's why it's written, so that we do. But they are mysteries. But the mysteries of the order of Melchizedek are for those who, have, who say, Lord, I, I need to know this. Chapter 7, verse 1, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him. Now we looked at that. We looked at that. We looked at the blessing of Melchizedek. We said it and we're going to say it again because it's so important. Why are we king priests? Why are we called into the Melchizedek order? We're not called into the Masonic order or the Orange order or all these things. We're called into the Melchizedek order. In fact, I'm going to say it, the Masonic order is the counterfeit. Amen. Amen. It's, it's the, it's, that's Baal worship. Because it's the counterfeit. But the Melchizedek order, why are we called into it? Because we're called to be dispensers of blessing. We're not called, you, 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 we've all been there, we've all known Christians like this, we've all been to churches like this, where all you hear is condemnation. I, those sinners out there, they don't know the Lord. They're all hell-bound. Amen? They're all going to hell. But we're not going to hell because we're in this church. You see, we're not called to a ministry of condemnation. We're called to a ministry of reconciliation. And you can't reconcile somebody that you condemn. Am I right? If you condemn people, ah, they're all hell-bound sinners. Ah, they don't know the Lord. We know him, though. Oh. There are people, Christians, that's their heart. And sometimes you hear them out in the street preaching, don't you? And everybody's, you know, ye all you homosexuals are going to hell. All you drug addicts, you're right behind them. But our ministry is a ministry of reconciliation. Now, we're not condoning sin, but we're not condemning sinners. So the point being is that we bless. We, we don't understand blessing, sadly. We just think blessing is patting someone in the head and saying, oh, the Lord bless you, you know, sending them a nice wee card or giving them a nice wee gift. 
That's not what blessing is. Empowered to prosper and succeed in all the affairs of life. So that's why the gospel, the word of God, is the word of favor, the word of blessing. I, I had an experience quite recently. And I, I, I met this woman. I spoke to her, Agnes Nice, a, a woman we know very, I don't know her name, but I just know her. Exchange pleasantries. And as I walked away from the woman, the Lord said to me, your seed is in that woman. And I remembered that this woman, I, I, knew, her, I knew her from a church, and I'd preached there, and she, she went there. And this is what the Lord said to me, says, if you share the gospel, if you preach the word with someone, you have to understand you've planted the seed of the word in that person. That's why you hear about people getting saved in their deathbed or late in life. You know, my mum got saved, gloriously saved, at a meeting in Edinburgh in 1967. She ran to the front. The, the, the preacher was given an altar call, and in a minute I'm going to ask you to come forward. My mum just my mum was quiet, private. You know, she'd keep herself to herself. She jumped out of her chair and ran to the front shouting and bawling, I'm coming now, Lord, I'm coming now. And it wasn't a Pentecostal meeting. But my mum didn't do anything about that for years. She backslid in the sense she didn't go to church, she didn't follow through, she just had her private faith, and that was it, but she, I'm not going to church with all those hypocrites, is what she would say. Then one day she said to me, years, years later, when I was a preacher, she says, I realized that what I was doing was I was making excuses because other people were hypocrites. And they were, but I was the biggest hypocrite of all because I used them as an excuse not to go to church. So in her later years, before my mum passed away, she was fervent. But here's the thing. But that seed was in her. And you get a lot of people, you know, and I believe when you, we'll see it one day, you think a lot of people maybe just out of nowhere, it seems, just turn to the Lord later on in life. And you think, well, where did that come from? I believe a lot of people got it in Sunday school or when they were kids or a Christian teacher just maybe shared some verses from the Bible. And that's a seed. That's a seed. And that seed goes into your heart, goes into your spirit, and it might lie, you know, seeds lie dormant. They've found seeds from thousands of years ago that if you plant them today, they grow. Because seeds can lie dormant. And I believe our job as king priests in this Melchizedek order is to be dispensers of seed, blessing seed, not condemning seed. So it's a privilege to be a king and a priest in the earth. And if you read in chapter 7 again, he's talking about you're a priest in the order of Melchizedek. The Bible speaks about Jesus being on the throne, seated at God's right hand, and he sits there as a priest. Now, that's not what Levitical priests did. Because they were priests. But Jesus is a king priest. And so are you and I. And the Bible says we're seated with him and we're seated in him in heavenly places in Christ. So if, if our high priest is in the heavenlies, in some mystical way, so are you and I. And that's that by locality. That being in two places. Let's just look in the places in Revelation. Because you know, we could talk about Jesus being a king priest. 
But a lot of people will accept that. But what they won't accept is that, that they're also king priests. So let's turn to Revelation chapter 1. I know we've looked at this. I want to do it again. Why are we king priests? So that what comes out of our mouths can be deposited in the hearts of men. So that the same kingdom that's in us is also planted in seed form in, in human hearts. I believe that. Jesus says that we are to disciple nations. Teach all nations. Whatsoever I have commanded you. So the same words that are in us, we are to teach to others. Because let me just say this. Everybody here got born again with a seed. You heard the gospel. Maybe you reacted instantly. Maybe it took a while. Like I said, for some people it can be decades. But at some point that, that seed springs into life and someone confesses Jesus as Lord. Revelation chapter 1 says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Not the revelation of the Antichrist. Not the revelation of the, the globalists, the New World Order, and all that. No, it's a revelation of Jesus, not a revelation of the devil. Which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Look what it says here, verse 5. Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness... And the first begotten of the dead. Now we know that because we get it every Sunday. This is what I'm saying. This is, watch this. Jesus is the faithful witness. Well, we all get saved because of that. Jesus loves me this in. Jesus, men may let you down. Jesus will never let you down. Amen. Jesus is the friend of sinners. What a friend we have in Jesus. What is the thing about Jesus? He's faithful and true. Amen. When my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. When all my pals don't want to know me, Jesus is going to be my friend. Amen. He's the faithful one, the faithful witness. So we all know that about Jesus. And the first begotten of the dead, well, there's, there's the Easter message. He is risen. Amen? He is risen from the dead, and he is Lord. This is Christianity 101. This is the fundamentals. These are the first principles. These are the things we all know. Jesus loves me, this I know. Baby Jesus, um, the Savior, the things about Jesus that are, are, are bread and butter Christianity. But the writer of Hebrews says, but we need to move on from the first principles. And some people can't take it. I believe God that you guys can take it because this message of king priest ministry is what's needed in the earth today. You get and, and trap that door over the road on, on, on these streets and tell them Jesus is faithful. That right, pal. Jesus is faithful. That's good. You'll get your Kevin Bridges response, won't you? Is that right, mate? Jesus rose from the dead. Oh, did he now? Amen. Because if they've if they've probably heard that, but if you went and chapped that door and says, Do you know Jesus is Lord, Prince, King, Governor, Ruler? of all the politicians and all the rulers of the earth. They've not heard that. Sadly, neither have some Christians. He's the ruler. He's faithful witness. He's the first book. Now we know that. That's the a, that's a principles. That's the foundation. But watch this. And the prince or the governor or the ruler or the boss of the kings of the earth. Jesus is Rishi Sunak's boss. That's what that means in Greek. Jesus is Sleepy Joe's boss. And it's good, no, good news to know that Sleepy Joe has somebody over him. 
And you say, well, why is that important? Why it's important is this, is if somebody in control and somebody who has ultimate rulership can therefore decide about the fate of someone under them who's not doing their job properly. Amen? If you go to a, 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 if you go to a business, Glasgow business, let's just say it's a plumbing business, okay? Very topical. You go to the, the boss of a big plumbing business in Glasgow and you say to the guy, yeah, I phoned your guy out last week and I'd burst pipes. And that guy came out and said he'd fix my burst pipes. And he said he was uh, the manager of, of the other plumbers. But I know that you're the general manager, you're the top man, you're the owner. But this guy you sent out that says my pipes are fixed, they're worse than ever. Amen. He didn't fix them. And in actual fact, what he's done, I've had to get another plumber in because he made such a mess of my plumbing, it's going to cost me twice as much. Now, if that general manager or owner, let's call him John, and he hears about this plumbing guy, the senior plumber, Jim, and he says, you know what? These are the fourth or fifth people this week to complain that Jim messed up their plumbing. It's a hard decision, but it's time for Jim to go. Amen? Why? Because four or five people have petitioned me about Jim's underperforming and skiving when he should have been fixing the problem. Do you really believe it's any different when the people of God go before God and say, Lord, this guy that's the president, this woman that's the first minister, this person that's running the country, they're passing all these laws and they're so incompetent and people are, you know, society's a mess. And you petition their boss. Amen. Now, no plumbing general manager or owner is going to listen to one complaint or someone saying, I wasn't all that satisfied. going to go, well, not everybody's satisfied. These things happen. You know, Jim's a good guy. I've known him for a while. But, it, but if the guy is inundated with people saying Jim is a dud, then Jim has to go. And friends, I believe the Lord is saying to us, I'm the ruler of the kings of the earth. But I'm not just sitting here going, well, I'm a ruler, and it good? But I don't, I don't intervene. I don't. See, a lot of people think Jesus is not going to intervene because we have evil people in control. Yes, well, the Lord, he, he just accepts these things, and we just have to put up with these things. No. That's why he's their ruler. But he will not do anything if we just accept it. So look what the scripture says. Watch this. He's a faithful witness. He's a first begotten. He's the prince or the ruler of the kings of the earth. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Why is that important? Because they overcame the accuser of the brethren by the blood of the lamb. In other words, the blood is our victory over evil powers. But look what it says, verse 6. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This same Jesus he's talking about, who passed into the heavens as a high priest, also passed into the heavens, was told by God the Father, sit at my right hand, and you are now the ruler of the kings of the earth. And he says, it's not just me, Father. There's a whole bunch coming with me. Yeah. Amen. Lydia's coming. James is coming. Alan's coming. Ellen's coming. Amen. Bill's coming. E e even some of the ones that, that uh, maybe shouldn't have come because they don't know what they're doing, but, but they're, all, they're, they're all coming. 
Amen? And they've got things to say. Hallelujah. Amen? My, my, my work is done. I went to the cross. I endured the suffering. You raised me from the dead. And now here I am. But they're the ones with problems. They're the ones. So I've invited, I've told them, just come boldly. Just come in because God the Father's waiting. Okay? Lydia, what's your problem? Well, I don't like the first minister. Well, what's the problem, James? Well, I don't like her either. Oh, there's a problem. There's a red flag. And friends, will it be the first time a national leader has been swiftly removed? Because somebody somewhere prayed. No, it won't. But I believe that a lot of them stay there because they're propped up with demonic powers. They're propped up with principalities and powers. But mainly because Christians don't understand they can get in and remove them. And it, listen, it's not about taking pop shots at national leaders. Many of them are just doing the best they can. And they don't know any better. But the point is, is that we're king priests for a purpose. And that is to understand our role in the earth. Because let me just say this to you, if it's a tongue-talking, Bible-believing, devil-stomping, spirit-filled, you know, Jesus freak out there that would do a far better job, or just somebody else that would do a far better job. I, I tell you right now, if I had the choice today of who I would have as First Minister of Scotland, it would be Neil Oliver. Amen? Because he understands whether he's a secular prophet. And by the way, Neil Oliver... Uh, professes faith now, where he used to be, be an atheist. He professes faith. But you know, even if he wasn't a Christian or didn't have faith, he's still a hundred times better than the, the person sitting there. Be why? Because God raises leaders up. But the point of it is this, he has made us kings and priests. In other words, we have a say about how planet Earth is run. Oh, no, no. Oh, Pastor, no. Oh, we're just waiting for the rapture. My bags are packed. I'm, I'm ready to go. I don't want to, I want to leave this old world behind. I don't want to be here anymore. Well, go into your bedroom and wait and let those of us who understand King Priest ministry get on with it then because we don't need you dooming and glooming. Amen. This old world's getting worse. It's gone to hell in a handbasket. The devil's taken over. Don't you know? No, I don't. Jesus is still Lord. Jesus is still the ruler of all the, the devil bunch that are running the country. Revelation chapter 5. Is it 5? Yep. Yes, verse 8. Ah, uh, watch this. In fact, let's just read from verse 5. One of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Just before we, we jump off of that verse, Jesus is the root of David. Amen. And what that means is Jesus came before David. Amen? So when David in Psalm 110 sees Jesus, whether or not he knew him by that name, but he sees the one at God's right hand, Father's right hand, Yahweh's right hand, and he says, that's my Lord. So Jesus is the root of David. And Jesus had a, a bit of a fun time with the religious leaders when he said to them, uh, whose son is the Messiah? Who? And they said, David's son. And he says, well, why did David call him Lord? Why did David know the one that eventually became his descendant, his son? Because Jesus is the root of David. And remember when David had that vision, he, he, he recognized this guy's a king. But he's also a priest. David saw Jesus as he really was and is a king priest after the order of Melchizedek. Why is that important? 
because it's transformative. We're closing this off soon, folks, for today. He's prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Okay? There's something about the seven spirits connected with this, because back in Revelation chapter 1, he speaks about verse 4, the seven spirits which are before his throne, then he starts speaking about Jesus as the ruler of the kings of the earth and us as king priests. And it says the same here, Revelation chapter 5, the seven, the seven horns, the seven eyes, the seven spirits of God. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Here's a priest sitting upon the throne as king. What is this? Verse 8. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. There's the blood again. The seven spirits, the blood, these are all part of it. And then look at this, verse 10. And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. So what he's saying here between Revelation chapter 1, Revelation chapter 5, is that there's a king priest on the throne. The seven spirits of God are before the throne and go into all the earth. The blood of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb that sits on the throne, has purchased something for us. And that something is a kingdom and a priesthood. It has made us a royal priesthood. Amen. So what that means is we're not just old sinners saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a worm before him. Friends, that's not what the Bible says. Amen. You were a sinner, and you were saved by grace, and you're now a saint, but you're more than just a saint. You're a king priest. I need to finish with this. Okay, I'll do that, Lord. Just very quickly, we'll close with this. This is, this is me closing. This is my, uh, my next close. This is, I'm closing with Psalm 149. See, I'm trying to encourage you today to say to you that there's a destiny for each person here. It's a collective corporate destiny for every person in God's ecclesia. But we all have an individual part to play in that. And it's more than just, oh, pray your way through all your troubles in life. Amen. There's a mansion over the hilltop. Friends, we need to start realizing we shall reign on the earth. That's not talking, that's not talking about reigning when we all get to heaven or reigning in the future or the millennium because the Bible says about, about Jesus in Psalm 110, rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. In other words, the reigning that takes place, takes place, um, takes place here on earth. He says, sit at my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. Then the next verse says, the Lord shall send the rod of thy, Yahweh shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. And we're Zion, we're the church, we're the ecclesia. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. So the ruling and the reigning starts now. It doesn't start in the millennium, it doesn't start at the end of the millennium, it starts now. Training for reigning friends. Amen? Okay, Psalm 149. We'll close with this, like I said. It says, Let the high praises of God be in, uh, sorry, let the saints be joyful in glory, verse 5, let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praise of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand, 
to execute vengeance upon the heathen or the nations and punishments upon the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. What's that saying? It's saying Jesus is the Lord and the governor and the ruler of the kings of the earth. But it's us that bind them. It's us that impose upon them the constraints of Jesus' lordship. It says the saints do it. The saints in glory. Let the high praise of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword, a two-mouthed sword, your Bible, friends, is in your hand to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. What that means is to rule over kings and national leaders. So it's Jesus, he's the ruler, but he leaves the doing of it to us in the place of prayer, you know, just releasing that word in meetings like this. And look what it says. This is what I wanted to show you. This is where I'm. To execute upon them the judgment written, this honour have all his saints, praise ye the Lord. Praise ye Yahweh. It's not for pastors. It's not for mighty apostles. It's not for Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland and the moderator of the Church of Scotland. It's not for the great ones. It's not for mighty preachers. This honour of king priest ministry is for all saints. And the Bible says these things that have to understand them. You know, it's not easy to accept because it's calling into a higher level, a higher realm. And I guess that's that was the message we had. I remember Bert preaching this. We actually had Zoom meetings at one time, Bert and Stevie and I. And, and I remember people saying, this is hard. It's just hard to understand it, hard to accept. Because we're not just called to be the devil's punch bag. And we're not just called to fill up the pews and make up the numbers and all of that. We're called to rule and reign as king priests in the earth with him. You know, what that means is we're all going to Bible college. We're all going to the school of the spirit. We're all going to a place, you know, we're all going to boot camp if, need, if boot camp is what we need. But we're all in a place where we say to, to the Lord, Lord, what I need to understand to transform Scotland, to change Britain, to impact the nations, you're not going to get that way away in a manger. You're not going to get that way Christianity 101. You have to go into a place now where we understand we're kings and priests in the order of Melchizedek. Amen? We're going to leave it there, folks. Um, and um, we may come back to this. We may come back to it. Uh, I mean, we do refer to these matters, but praise the Lord.